how's that for timing on the intro music? My name is Andre Russo, and I'm the host of the RC After Hours podcast. And this episode is titled number 82, Winter is Here, slash one more flight. There's a good story behind that. Actually, I've been trying to do a podcast for the last uh, week and a half, two weeks, and just lack the overall content to kind of just punch out an episode, uh, especially on my own. You know, lots to cover today, actually, in the show and lots of things to discuss about the podcast in 2020 and 2021 and so forth. Um, but winter is here. Uh, winter is here in Canada. If you watch the video I did last weekend with the drop with the EC1500, there was no snow. And then Sunday evening, Monday, Tuesday, there was snow. It's slushy now. It's melted off a little bit, but we're into it. So I've been flying uh, been flying the Durafly Tundra version 1 on floats for the first time. That video will drop later in the week. Uh, and then I was flying the Skipper from uh, H-King. And uh, what else? Oh, just a couple other airplanes. Did a review on a little VTOL aircraft as well. You'll see all those videos coming out. And then I was all packed up, ready to go, and the sun was out, and it was looking nice. And I said, one more flight. And my UMX Timber on floats, it hit the, the goalpost again. That's the second time I've uh, I've been victimized by that goalpost, and I was so annoyed with myself, so very very annoyed. And welcome to everybody who's on the chat, listening right now. Uh, perfection, wow! Thanks, dude. That is awesome. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about what, uh, the stuff coming up, especially when it comes to the podcast and everything I want to try and do over the next little while. But, like I said, the, I had no content, and then suddenly I had content for the show one more time. Uh, and um, so my poor UMX Timber. Uh, it's kind of hard when you knock a plane like that. And I wasn't even really, uh, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want to hurt the poor little thing. Looks like some foam tack and everything will go. I don't know what the video looks like yet, but I will definitely be checking it out and seeing how it... Uh, <laughs> And, and to see if you can actually see what it was going on. Basically, I think it was the first time I was flying it on the DX9. And I discovered very quickly that all the switches were inverted over what I had previously been flying with on my Tyrannus. So high and lower. If anybody has played with the stock settings from, from uh, Horizon or Spectrum, uh, everything is backwards to me. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in the wind. Oh, I'm in safe. So all of a sudden the plane is limited in pitch. The wind is guarded. So I'm like full power, full rudder, just really 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 trying to control this thing and i turned off safe and i hit the rate switch and suddenly i had uh you know full control full rates and i put the thing in the high alpha and i must have just touched the the post and down she went and spiraled so there's a fuselage crack i completely snapped one of the um one of the, the, the floats in half uh, and the wing has got a little damage. So I'm thinking foam tack tape and it'll be back up and running. But, ah, it was such a, before that, other than a couple of little nicks and scratches, it was, you know, I kept that plane in, in pristine condition because the UMX planes are very delicate. So you tend to take a lot, a lot, a lot of care of them. But there we go. Suddenly we've got an intro. Suddenly we've got some flying and everything. And so today's show is basically going to be covering off... Um, 
some of my winter flying tips, some of the uh, you know some of the ideas into uh, looking into the winter build season, uh, and uh, talking about some new products that are out on the market that are kind of cool, crazy, and expensive. And then uh, I think I'm also going to just jump in and discuss. Um, my recent camera issues, anybody notices I've been flying. Actually, I've been flying a lot more, and I've been shooting content, and I'm getting back into that. I'm actually going to do a whole uh, YouTube video on some of the hardware that I use and some of the gear I use to talk about content creation uh, because I'm stepping that up. A lot of my old legacy hardware is starting to let me down, and the most recent hiccup was my... It was, it's free. I mean, this camera this camera is a GoPro Hero 7. It was free to me. It, uh, it had a interaction with the with the train and uh smacked it, it was, the, the hit was hard enough that the power ribbon and the internal on the circuit board actually dislodged so uh, i passed it over to my crazy scientist of a mad scientist of a dad and he opened it up and everything but what we're discovering is the um I think moisture or the dampness gets in there and it affects the power switch and I've had the camera go down and while I was shooting the Tundra video, it beeped and locked and I lost a whole segment of footage and everything. Luckily, I had the five on the ground and my hat and other cameras and everything, so we got away with it. But I uh, I very quickly said, okay, this is the second or third time I've had this fault. Um, I need something reliable. So I, I took advantage of some of the the sales and we're going to be playing in the future. I'll be doing a, a proper unboxing of this bad boy, but in my hands, I've got the Osmos Action. So this is DJI's um, answer to the GoPro. It should be on par with the, the 7 that I have, so I should be getting a lot of good content. I was reluctant to switch brands because suddenly I'm in a different ecosystem. And this is something that I'm very cognizant of it, that I work around. Uh, if I get a camera, I want two or three batteries, maybe four, because I shoot in the winter. Things get cold. Things shut down. Uh, so that's always something I'm very aware of. And then suddenly all the mounts are different, right? So uh, primarily the GoPro 7 has been my hat cam, but in the field uh, I work with it. And I've, I've gone through recent things where I've had to change my audio microphone on my recording. And the new one, uh, you will see it, hear the difference in the um, in the video Um for the Tundra because the camera's on the ground and the wind is just howling. And then I switch over to the lapel mic with the windsock and it is, you can't hear the wind. So it's when I say it's windy and everything, a lot of people have commented to, to me in person saying, I don't hear what you're talking about. But I'm like, well, Hey, the new microphone works. And that new microphone came out because of the buzz issue from last time. So, Woo! Uh, so the the gear I'm 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 making slow investments in the hardware. I'm trying to get my hands on a Runcam um, 4K, Runcam 2 4K. Working on that. Had some some hiccups with Runcam as far as shipping and everything. So hopefully that comes out and that we'll look for that for a future review. So investing in the equipment, everything pushing for into 2021. Uh, but the biggest thing I want to say is that I am, um, yes, Alex is just saying in the chat, flying, Andre's flying more is a good thing. And it is, it's good for the soul and everything. Uh, with everything with, with COVID or co, co, with COVID-19, I was really reluctant. I don't go to the flying field. I'm sticking at the park and doing my park flying. I find the field, uh, just, I can't, withdraw myself if I don't feel the situation is, is safe enough for me so but that's everybody's individual decisions hopefully into the spring things will be a little bit more stable and I can get out there and fly all those fuel planes which are, are 
<sighs> Actually, the extra hasn't even been put away yet. I have to go and strip that down. I'm not satisfied uh, speaking of projects and everything, and we'll dive into that. I should put that into my show notes so it's something I should talk about. But, yeah, the extra is going to get changed up a little bit, but that's part of the winter stuff. So, uh, right away, where is the web interface for this show? There we go. Ah, look at that. I got the wrong page up and everything. So I want to talk real quickly about our friends from the Hangar RC. Yeah, there they are. Uh, okay, cookies. Um, they are working. I actually was talking with Sam yesterday, and he is working away on that Harvard. So the Patreon subscribers, keep your name in there and everything. Stick around. Hello to everybody who's new, by the way, from, from the Patreon uh, group. Thank you. Um we're going to be doing a draw for the Harvard design. He actually was showing me some photos. They're, they're playing around with a couple different things. And he, he showed me the front radio. And my first reaction, I was on my iPhone. And I'm like, wow, that's a really nice looking 3D print. How long did that take? And he goes, it's not a 3D print. It's just a graphic. And I was like, that's impressive. The fact that I had to go and zoom into my phone and actually verify that. He's got the shading and everything on the radio, front radio on the cowl. And it looks gorgeous. So stay tuned. Pardon me, I don't mean to uh, have spittle going on here. Uh, we're holding off because we want to actually um, we want to actually have him uh, the aircraft ready and in the stream and everything, so he can uh, show that all off. So, and then the second little thing I want to talk about real quickly and cool. Uh, let me know if you guys want to do that traditional sticker run. No one has come back and, and, and told me yay or nay. There have been a few people that purchased these stickers. I've, I've dropped. There's like no monetization on the, on, the, on the stickers. So it's whatever their cost. I don't know if our supplier uh, uh, spreadsheet shirt uh, will be doing any kind of sales, but I'll check and verify. But they usually have free shipping come closer to the end of the year. And again, everybody who's bought an RC After Hours t-shirt or a Blame Andre t-shirt, thank you very much. Again, there's tiny, tiny bit of revenue, but it does go right back into it. And I invest it back into the product that we that we're putting forth or I am putting forth. Um, again, I want to discuss, I want to dive into topics about what we want, what you guys want, what the, the, you, the listeners are looking for. I've actually had a lot of trouble trying to just claw details and information and get guests on the show recently. Uh, I don't know if it's just everybody's social media fatigued or just industry is just playing around, but we'll talk about that as we go through the show. All right. Now, where's my screen? I'm going to go back to the chat group. So if you guys have any comments or anything like that, you can uh, you can keep punching through. And I'm going to keep talking about um, what, we're, uh, what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. And so first and foremost, winter flying. Um, uh, yesterday, I didn't have the right shoes on or nothing. And so by the time I got home, I think I was at the field almost two and a half, three hours, just shooting content, having fun, walking around in my hikers the entire time. My feet were so cold, so cold. Didn't have any equipment issues outside of the silly GoPro going down on me. Uh, but later in the season, we get into things like where your batteries, you, you start losing the punch. And that's on the higher CPAC batteries, that's the first thing I notice. Uh, first and foremost, I change aircrafts. I, I get rid of the belly landers. I get rid of the high-performance aircraft. So the previous weekend, I was actually flying the Mamba. And I went up, and it was like my last flight of the day. No cameras, just having fun. And I started off okay, but mid-flight through, I started noticing my dexterity, the fluidness in my hands was dropping off. And therefore, the 
the whole, the shot, not the shots, but the feeling of the airplane was all wrong. And like, I'd go and I'd roll and try and do a knife edge and then I popped out and everything. And, and yeah, it was just like, okay, so this aircraft, as much as I enjoy flying this aircraft needs the pilot to be in maximum. And there's a video from years ago where I gave myself my first ever frostbite. I was flying my EF extra and, uh, you know, sorry, the uh, EFX racer. And I took off and threw and I was going and I came in to land and I just stuffed the airplane in and I'm in the car afterwards. And I've been in the military. I've shot professionally ENG news outside where your hand is up there. And I never froze my fingers Went flying froze my fingers and it hurt like when the hands were coming back together and everything, it was excruciating. So totally focused on a planes that'll let me use my transmitter mid or planes that'll have a super short flight and everything. Uh, I've got a new set of gloves and I like them, but they're, they feel, even though they've got the tactile and everything, they still feel slippery on the controls. So I got to get used to that and got to relax and just, you always have the sensation that you're going to slide off the remote or something. But um, Alex says something about battery warmers. So what I do is I have, I don't have it with me right now. Unfortunately, it's in the back of the shop after flying. Um, I have a, a soft cooler, uh, a neoprene cooler or whatever, and I put uh, a hard case inside that, just something from the dollar store. My battery bag goes in that, and then if it's really cold, the batteries are always in the car, so they're out of the wind and everything, and then uh, batteries last longer than fingers these days. Yes, thanks, Sean, from Defiant Wings. Um, so... Actually, when it's really cold, I have a spare digital thermometer. I stick that in there, and then I do things like I heat up uh, a bean bag or uh, those gel packs and throw them in with the battery bag. If it, those are in the extreme conditions, but I've flown in minus 35, and it can be in the minus 30s, 20s, and 30s. If the wind is low and the sun is out, it's very sustainable once you start actually layering up properly, and and that is that is a huge thing. But I always tell you, adjust your flying expectations. So and try out that remote with the with the bag. Um, I have a really nice, uh, I think it's a Turnigy bag with a full display, and the difference between um, difference between the 9x or the the spectrum and the uh the Turnigy or the fr sky radio I'm, I'm just throwing names out here unfortunately the difference between my spectrum dx9 and my fr sky uh tyrannus is very noticeable based on the hook where the um the lanyard goes and i always have the lanyard on there just because i don't want to drop anything and i've dropped my dx9 once before and i'm like no um do I fly in gloves? That's the question from Alex. Yes, and I'll get back to that in a second. With the transmitter mitt, you need to get used to where your switches are. And and this is one of the things I was I'm still struggling with the difference between reprogramming all the models when when you do that input from um spectrum for your model like i said everything is on the left hand side and i prefer to throw my rates and my flaps with my right hand and control my aileron because i i'm a hybrid right i got my thumb on my throttle and i'm pinching with it so i can get my my um my 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 middle finger up to my rates or whatever but adjust all those expectations so you want to fly with planes that are a little bit more calm a little bit more forgiving especially when it's really cold because 
when I was flying the EC-1500 on the drop video, I was grabbing, thr- even without the transmitter mitt, with the gloves on, I was grabbing, you know, flaps when I wanted to do rates and vice versa. And so all of a sudden I'm like, I'm full flaps and high rates and the plane is wigging out on me and everything. So, um, yes, Alex, I do fly gloves and I have a variety of gloves. So I've got the thinner neoprene type with the, you know, they've got the sensor pads and everything for working with the phones. I also have a set of mitts where I can flop and expose my fingers. And those are good. So like I said, if you retry, if you, you know, take your seven minute plane and just factor in battery performance and then your own performance and reduce yourself down about a minute or two. So like, okay, five minute flight, land, cover your hands up after you've recovered, give your fingers that minute or a couple of minutes to bring back those dexterity and go. And then of course, obviously it's, took on the head and everything i have you know the winter uh, for for extreme winter i've got the boots i'll have like a thermal layer on plus the winter pants and everything so this is also stuff i'm going to cover in another video i'll go through and i almost thought about doing it this weekend but honestly it wasn't cold enough to make the point of what what it's like um and things like if I'm in the field and I want to fly back to back you know I'll take that second battery and I'll actually uh, normally you can put them in your pocket, but they actually have got to get into a closer layer to your body so they stay warm. So I'll put them on the inside, or if I'm wearing a hoodie, they'll go into my hoodie pocket. But then, of course, you're unzipping your jacket, so all of a sudden you're blowing away all that warm air that or heat that you've built up. So, yeah, uh, what's even crazier is I will wear the same jacket throughout the year. So it's just those additional layers that you put on underneath, and, you know, we just get used to it. But, like, people were commenting on my last video that I looked really cold, and I'm like, that was mild (laughs) we're gonna get lower and lower and lower um and then i don't take as many planes as well when i go and i know it's a super cold day i'll go and uh, i'll i'll change up the airplanes and everything and and speaking of that in my notes i'm like discussing you know belly landers and, and playing with gears um if the flights are short and they're simple enough, but the problem with like a, a hand launched plane is you can't do it with the transmitter mid. I've tried it in poorly, right? Because you'll bump the throttle or worse, the throttle will drop and you can't get your hand back inside that mitt fast enough. And so I tend to make a decision uh, about whatever airplane I will fly. So forgiving is the biggest thing I can say. If the plane is forgiving and you can get away with the toss and fly for a couple minutes and land and recover and everything, go for it. If not, it's a plane with gear. Now, yesterday I flew, you can see it in the background on the wrong arm there. Yesterday I flew with the uh, the Tundra for the very first time. And I've had this airplane for, what, five, six years? And I giggled because I didn't realize that I could, I, I'd always thought, oh, with the, with the gear and everything, sorry, sorry, the floats, um, it was too tall to fit in the back of the car. So I never bothered with it. I just flew the thing on, on the skis and it fit in the car. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. So I'm going to go fly this thing on floats. Flew it yesterday. Loved it. You know what I discovered I don't like about the floats is after the flight, I have to store this airplane. I can't, you know, like when you're bringing it out to the car or, or if you're inside your house, you know, you want to stand the plane up. It's a high wing plane with what, a 1700 millimeter wingspan, 1500 maybe. Uh, the point is it's in the porch now and it's on its floats taking up all the space. Normally, if I'm on the wheels or everything, I stand it up and put the, put the prop down to the ground, right? You can't do that with the floats. And even worse, if you do that, you run the risk of actually breaking the floats because forward of the plane is a lot of weight and, and it's foam. I mean, 
there's a <laughs> here's one of the floats from the the UMX timber, right? So so I think that plane as much as I enjoyed that video and enjoyed flying it, I really do think I'm going to go back to the skis and there's nothing wrong between the two of them. Um on floats, the problem is you've got very little rudder authority, uh even there's enough. Now, the benefit of floats is it soaks up all those bumps and everything in the snow, especially if you fly in a field. We fly in a field off of school, so the kids run around and people are out nervous and stuff like that, so the, it's not a perfect surface. So with skis, you run the risk of hitting a divot and actually going in, um, and that is very prevalent in like a lower wing plane like the uh, the Pawnee because uh, it's a low wing. The flaps are dragging in the snow and everything, and it's, it, it really has to struggle to take off, but it will get up. Um, but like I said, I really, really enjoyed flying that Tundra on the skis, uh, sorry, the floats, but I am going to go back to the skis because then I can store it at the end of the day back where I normally put it and not worry about it. So those floats, you say, what is Andre going to use those floats on? I really want to test the EC-1500 very soon, very, very, very soon, and put that plane up and um, put that plane up on the skis that come with it because those are really nice design. But Pete from, from her um, E-Flight and Horizon was saying, watch out, they, they, they flex a little bit or you can run into some tendencies and, uh, you know, you don't want to break those. But... Those floats, those uh, those Hobby King floats, the Durfly floats, might actually be. I can probably modify them, and they will work with that airplane. And we there's a video where where um, they were out in a boat and they were doing the EC1500 touch and goes off the water and everything. So we'll see. So that uh, the EC1500 is going to go. The other issue with the big planes, once you start adding the floats and everything, is you really have to play with the fleet. And I've noticed all of a sudden with the fleet changing up. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm I want I'm trying to avoid flying the same airplanes all the time, right? But like as soon as you throw in a big high wing or something like that, you run out of trunk space. So I'm like very cognitive looking at other airplanes and how much FPV will I do this winter? I don't know. Uh, I used to bring a section of plywood to the field and yes, for the high yes, the foam, yes, that's another really awesome point Delta Dart makes about putting something to land on, uh, especially for the multi-rotors. And we'll talk about that too throughout the podcast, uh, you know, the indoor flying, but flying multi-rotors or, or copters or helicopters or anything like that. I have that those those neoprene pieces. So um, really fun just to clear off some foam or some snow, drop them down and take off and have a landing pad. But you've got to have something with that's got enough weight that you, the prop wash doesn't lift it off. So even those um, foldable uh, uh, quadcopter landing pads work really well, and I've seen those be used a lot. Or you just take off from the hood of your car, right? Depends on the, the craft, right? Alex says, I'm, I'm seeing I'm seeing some of this chatter right now. So I'll flip over my screen so I can read it. Uh, let's see. Alex says the floats can be cumbersome, uh, but they are easier to install. Yeah. Um, yes. Valid. The ones on the Tundra, I think it's about four to eight screws. So, um, the nice thing with the float, so the skis is like pop off the wheels and put it on. And depending on the age of the aircraft too, if you start removing those screws and everything, that, that, that plastic can get softened up and chewed up over time. So I tend to be really careful about what I'm doing and changing them over. The nice part is I do have a multitude of high wings so I can try some different settings. I'll put the fun cub, actually the fun cub, I don't tend to put on skis. I find that landing gear and, and that's something else that you will notice too, is when you switch to your skis, if you do use those, your 
your depth between the wheel, uh, sorry, the ground and your prop goes away. So that's something you have to be very cognizant of, especially in icy stuff. Because if you come down a little too hard, you can start chewing up your prop and everything. So, and I've lost all my, uh, I haven't lost my show notes. I've lost all the website stuff. There we go. It's back. Okay. So moving on, I loved, loved the Tundra on floats. Uh, like I said, I'm probably going to go skis. Looking forward to trying the EC1500. So, talking about winter builds and stuff to do throughout the winter and i mentioned indoor flying and i have uh <laughs> rediscovered how much i enjoy the silly uh you know tiny whoops and everything this is my inductrix pro i'm holding in my hand so your 1s 500s uh and i've got some other aircraft some other quads and everything that are a little bit more advanced and better cameras and everything they're flyable indoors, but I almost think there's a little too much mass. So these little Inductrix styles or little tiny whoops are great. I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed flying them and just went through it. Yeah, they'll fly outside and stuff like this. So it's just something else to do. It's another arsenal. And, and the newer ones are really impressive in that it gets dark. I don't know about anybody else, but it gets dark at 4 o'clock now. So indoors, even though... like. I remember flying some of the older stuff and like you get into a dark corner and the camera would blank out completely. This has got a really impressive camera and you just like, you know, you just need a little bit of ambient light and pow, you can see where you're going. So these are fun. It made me want, wish I had more, uh, you know, one S 500 batteries, uh, but they're expensive for what they are. They're super crazy expensive, at least here in, in Canada. I mean, the shipping on stuff like this, the uh, Venom 1S500 is crazy. So, um, yeah, the if you don't have a little multi-rotor for, for flying around inside the house, uh, you, you're missing a lot of fun. I actually like, I still have two of the smaller inductors, the yellow ones, um, because they go through the rungs this one won't go through your banisters rungs like you gotta go around them uh but the little yellow ones would go through but they're the battery power on this one is far more impressive and it's got meow mode now the issue with meow mode turtle mode and all this stuff is it tends to spin the props off i noticed so i've all there's a prop somewhere in this basement i don't know where it went i flipped it over and it shot off and i still haven't found it so uh the tip i was told just a little ca glue on the on the shaft when you put a new prop on and go but the lights are the work really well the range is really impressive with these um I don't know. I, I tend to actually fly it with my FPV monitor because I can just sit down. The goggles are great, and then I have a spare receiver that I can slap on the big television. It's too much latency to do it, but if James is watching me fly, you know, can't get him to fly, but, you know, ah, got to have those props on the deck. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> spare props all the time. And um, it's neat to see this technology advance, and still they're still producing 1S aircraft or 1S quads, and they seem to be getting more and more efficient and the battery times seem to be going up and up and up but it's for me um the 500s have lasted i don't know about anybody with the 200s i find they have such a short lifespan that i've always stepped away from a lot of the 1s aircraft planes too because you get there and like oh this battery doesn't work this battery doesn't work this battery doesn't work but again this is part of your winter arsenal a little little tiny whoop uh um, inductress style i don't even know if um a blade and a horizon are going to be producing or releasing yet another version of this but we'll see 
Um, so talking about the builds, uh, everybody, <laughs> when Defiant, Defiant Wings is getting asked questions about, you know, stock, that's awesome. That's asked it on the podcast. Um, I flew that one actually. Oh, this one is above my head. So the, the nice thing about the winter is, uh, if you've got, and, and they said, you know, it's, it's funny. It's one of those old car analogies. You know, Canadians have the best cars because they have six months to work on them, most classic cars. This is a time of year where you can start, you know, working on those long-term uh, projects. I've got more projects than i got fingers, right? Um, but it's nice to be able to, you know, step back from the fleet and go, okay, what do I want to fly next year? What do I need to do maintenance on? What are, what are unfinished stuff? And I've got tons of wings to finish. I've got that big balsa biplane. I want to work on the extra and I'll talk about that in a bit. And last weekend I was flying my, uh, defiant wing, uh, renegade and, I think I sorted out a problem, but I've actually ordered some more gear. But again, this aircraft, even though it's all white and I'm not adding paint because I don't add weight, uh, it's going to see a lot of winter flying too. And I'll be testing different batteries and different cycles through it and everything and different FPV scenarios. And whether I fly line of sight or FPV, the plane is just a hoot. Um, And I don't have this in my show notes, but earlier in the week... Um, Alex from Video Aerial System released his uh, Air Combat um, IR system, which you know has a receiver on board. He's got an IR emitter, and he said if you've run a, a night vision or a night spec uh, FPV camera, you can actually see the IR mechanism flying. And the real cool is part of it; it's fairly well contained. And the control board for this hooks into your your servos and your motor so you can actually control and threshold it a little bit as far as how far your motors react and everything. And, you know, if your aileron servos start cutting out and so forth. So it looks like it's a lot of fun. $35 U.S. I think it was like 11 U.S. more to ship it to Canada. So I'm working on the guys locally to see if, if anybody's interested in, uh, in actually putting uh, a couple of those things in it would be really cool if someone had a tank or something some kind of ground-based mechanism on a like a like a 180 based servo you could spin around and see it but i don't know if the range of the, the firing mechanism is intense enough to actually make it work but very cool and i had questions about whether i thought the renegade from defiant wings would be a suitable combat aircraft i think it would you um you definitely would want uh, your differential thrust so you could spin that thing around because obviously it's a 3 3 control. Um, I didn't fly my Defiant this weekend, but what I did over the week while I was playing around with the ESC problems was I actually dialed in some um, some reflex or some, some flaperons into the aileron servos. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how slow and low I can get this thing because I was zipping it around last weekend and playing with it and really pushing that poor uh, and I think it's the back that went bad um because once i put another one in there but we'll see it could have been the cold as well who knows but again it's one of the things about winter is you can go through it so i have some flight test projects i don't know if anybody else has got any scratch build projects there's a balsa projects there's mega build projects uh there's some mini stuff and playing with all the various techs and learning i want to learn inav and everything and there's always something to do um, there's always something and just having that back project pocket project for when it's just snowing way too much or the conditions are really bad. So a lot of you guys don't have to deal with some of the weather conditions that are not really, you know, prevent you from flying, but you know, you could have really extreme cold 
temperatures, really extreme cold winds or just rain. A lot of you tell me that it's not the bad weather or the bad winter conditions, but it's just wet and rainy uh, for your, for your winter. So everybody's got a little bit of a different story, but having those background projects and for myself, like I said, got a ton of things I want to do and just really recognizing this year um, how uh, kind of pushed off a lot of objectives and a lot of things that I wanted to try and get myself through. Uh, Delta Dart says he's got quite a lot of projects in the background. Working on a 600-size Sea King heli. Oh, that would be so cool looking. Um, you know, gray, I guess the old matte gray, so it looks old and dated, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, Alex says Painless360 has a great video series on iNav. Yep, there's tons of sources out there too. Um, and for me, the iNav projects will come back to, I've got about three or four wings that I'll be enabling with them. And I threw, well, we know if you've watched the video, you know that I did a flight attempt on the poor Sky Hunter twin and that just got rifled into the ground. So that, uh, that's coming along. I've actually ordered some, I got some really excellent, excellent, excellent recommendations on what to do about it. Gone back. I've, um, put some shims and just use some prop washers to change the, 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 the shim line of the, the thrust line of the motors. And I've ordered some grip tape for the belly so I can just get a little extra grip. I thought about putting landing gear and everything and I'm like, nope, that's not the principle of this airplane. So again, that aircraft long-term will be INAV. Maybe if the snow is soft and everything, that will be the time to test it, you know, and try the INAV auto launch where, you know, you literally put the remote on the ground, shake the airplane and throw it into the air. Nothing intimidating about doing that, right? So, but that's a good time of year just to sit back with the technology, learn it up and everything. And I've got a couple wings that some INAV systems are going to go into as well. Um, I'm waiting. I don't know anybody else, but the postal system right now is super lethargic in, in giving us updates and everything. So again, like I said, I've got a couple flight test uh, kits in the back that I'm going to decide on which one I want to build. Got my balsa plane, so that one's a priority. I've got that smaller uh, T-30 trainer that's going to be a build. Um, i got a couple of big builds that I'm throwing around in my head. I really want to get another bomber in and everything like that. Uh, but, you know, and we're talking foam board stuff. Because, uh, <laughs> oh, excellent, 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 excellent. you got a Renegade, too. <laughs> Renegade, uh, I tell you, that plane, that that. That Renegade is uh, is high on my list as far as top plane for 2020 for me. I'm, it ticks off so many boxes, and we'll talk about the 2020 uh, review coming up because, uh, as usual, I'm going to want your input. So there we go. Uh, let's um let's jump into the new products page right now. So I'm going to bring up the website and everything because there've been some really big doozies that have come out uh, recently. And we're going to start off with, I don't think I talked about this in the last show. I don't know who watched the, uh, the hangar, hangar, well, the hangar nine OV 10 Bronco video, my jaw dropped. Um, I was very fortunate to have seen some, some previews from this, of this bad boy. And it's such a beautiful airplane. It's just mind bogglingly expensive, huge, but Oh, if you had the budget to afford something like this, I would be all over this thing. Well, even just to transport it. I liked how they said it breaks down a lot better than most of the uh, scale aircraft of this size. But this is a hefty beast. I would um, I'd do this electric. If I was to build this thing up, I would totally go electric. Because 
trying to synchronize two gas motors. I, I you know it's bad enough trying to get two motors to synchronize on electric, but look at that thing. Look how beautiful that thing looks in the air. Love the color. Love the scheme. I've always liked the twin with the high um, the high wing, uh, the high elevator setup, um, and they've done it. But it's a eye watering eye-watering i think 2200 canadian 1600 us and that's before you do the landing gear stuff so yes this is huge this is huge class this is you need the proper runway mind you this thing would fly at most fields i think most proper rc club fields uh because you can slow this thing right down you know do your tactical and everything i i almost do wonder though i mean obviously i'm enjoying flying things like the ec 1500 or the big twins and everything but i almost wonder if um if something like this if you would get tired of flying something this big um i don't think so though Looking at it in, in the profile, and I guess it's one of these aircraft that would run a wide envelope. Uh, let's see if we can get to the specs. I'm still getting used to the Horizon, their, their, their rebuilt website. It's got a whole bunch of features and everything. Okay, the finely detailed satin finish. Um, Ali was on uh, Facebook, and he was going over how he's enjoying this new covering material. But one of the things he said is says it all depends on the aircraft. Um Things like my my balsa biplane, I have to stick with the traditional film because this vinyl stuff doesn't cover the gaps. So this airplane is fully sheeted, uh, and that's the only way this new vinyl cover works. But it's stronger. It looks great and everything. Where are the specs? Where are the specs? So I can tell you what, what this thing is all about. Yeah, I really don't like the new website because it doesn't give everything we're looking for. There we go. Product specifications so semi-symmetrical airfoil 20 plus hours to build yeah you take your time on this thing approximate flight time six time six minutes sold separately i think he was running it on like 12s flying weight 25,000 grams 2,000 to 25,000 that's you know gas or electric uh you want a full 12 channel 100 amp esc's minimal motor sizes are 120 to 180 brushless um, so length, 113 inches flying weight. They're saying 42 pounds, uh, prop sizes are 18. Uh, the prop range is 17 to 20, depending on what you want to use six to 12 S 5,000 to 10,000 milliamps, uh, and wingspan 108 inches. So it isn't as crazy as some of the other aircraft, but because it's wide, um, it's, uh, it would definitely take up some space. Now, I really like the fact that they talked about how it comes apart. And uh, I would, if I was to do this, yeah, I would go totally would go electric. I would be picking up their their specs, uh, um, the Hangar 9 retracts, because you know it's going to work off this thing. I wouldn't touch it on gas just because the twin thing would probably be really crazy. But like I said, the, 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 the elevator section comes off. The after the, the wings pass the motor sections, they come off. So really, and even I think the elevator, some of the structure in the back supporting the elevator system could come off. So you could get this into a smaller vehicle. I don't think I would enjoy taking it apart and everything. And that that's something that that 
you know, coming back to winter flying is something that you really have to be aware of. Um, so I posed a question and we're actually, you know, getting a lot of interaction on chat. So hold on here. Pose the question of, like, you know, would you get tired of this thing? And most people are thinking uh, the electric would, um, sorry, I'm trying to read these comments here, make some light of them. Uh, Mm, Let's see. Looks amazing, huge, we totally need a trailer, was Delta Tart's thing. And then I posed a question and I was responded, you know, I don't think so. I don't think you'd get burnt out. There's too many options and everything, paraphrasing and stuff like this. So it looks like it would be a really fun aircraft. Uh, another question was, has anybody tried the Trent Palmer uh, flight test plane? Um, I haven't picked one up myself, but it looks like a nice little cub. Um, should be pretty good. Watch the paint. That was the only comment I saw from a couple of people saying it might flake and stuff like that, but uh, I think it's really good. I'm looking forward to um, their warehouse. They're, they're, um, they ship out of A-Main. A-Main is starting up a more eastern-based warehouse, which will make a difference to some most people on the eastern board side because uh, I find the shipping really aggressive right now. Um, so I haven't been ordering anything. Okay, back to... The aircraft, so that was something huge and beautiful. If if I won the lottery, oh, buddy, I'd be all over this thing. I mean, like I said, it looks beautiful. Ali was so passionate in the, in talking about his design experience on this aircraft, so you got to love that kind of spark and fun. So keep bugging the man. I got to keep bugging him to come on the show. Uh, keep talking to him and, uh, and, and everybody at... Uh, Horizon, just trying to get someone on the podcast to discuss because they've been on a roll, especially the Hangar 9 stuff this year. They've been really on a roll. So uh, let's see. All right. Next from Hobby King, we've got obviously this has been talked about before, but this little Durafly Micro Tundra Classic. Uh, they've got the funky color too. This slips right into a very winter friendly aircraft, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, I've got Canadian prices up, so it's not that bad. I think it's in the sub 100 US dollars, and I think it's free shipping depending on where you are. And runs off a nice 2S 500 uh, to 800 pack JSD connector. So tons of options, tons of, you know, throwing the floats, throwing some skis. Actually, surprisingly, you don't have skis for this thing, but we know the floats would work just fine. And looking at the skis, I kind of like how they've got the, um, uh, they've got a spar in between the two skis, which reduces the overall vibration stuff and then the drop down for the rear uh the rear steering mechanism off the rudder so if you're in the water and everything so again fun little aircraft the reviews all looked pretty positive on it um and again it's one of these planes that you set up it's got its own little gyro system and if i if i remember correctly and like like with my umx timber i threw that in the car and we went flying um and i know a lot of guys tell me that they keep those batteries and the only problem really and there are adapters and everything too and the my umx flew on two s500s with a jst cable mod with no problem and i have a lot of friends who tell me they, they keep those kind of aircrafts and they've got a just a simple six channel radio and so they can get to the field and just fly that stuff and it's almost independent of their normal uh ecosystem so they can just rapid deployment rapid flyer which is something that's pretty good and, and crazy and fun to do in the winter when you know oh it's clear for 15 20 minutes throw on the jacket let's go and do a quick little flight the other one from uh, hobby king recently released is the h king uh, hawker hurricane 
um, which again is a stabilized aircraft. It features uh, retra- doesn't feature retract. It features fixed gear that are removable. So your tiny belly lander class aircraft, which is perfect again for those areas. Now, if you can't land an airplane or you want to keep the retracts or everything, generally in the winter, if you fly off any spot with a parking spot and you get good of it, um, for us, if we do it, we just got to be ready to do a little pole dancing and get around any of the poles. And usually by the end of the winter, I'm, the dexterity is up pretty good. I used to do that with my T-28 and just take off on the on the parking lot and then come in and do a quick hot landing but again so the the hurricane same price 135 canadian uh let's see if i can tell you what that is in u.s uh ding oh no that didn't work out well at all uh where did i do that let's try u.s dollars come on british american there you go and then back to the hurricane I completely moved that to the wrong spot. There we go. 90 US dollars. Oh, sorry, 199 US dollars. So that's pretty darn perfect for something that size. Uh, again, the reviews look pretty positive, and it's 750 mil wingspan, 30 inches, and flies off a 20 amp brushless, 1300 kV motor. Uh, nine, uh, four nine gram servos has got a three bladed six by eight by six prop and will fly off a three S 800 with a JST connector. So my bad, it wasn't a two S ship. It's a three S ship, which is pretty darn cool. All right, moving forward on the new aircraft, Dynam has been talking about this one, and uh, hopefully we'll get on one of their reps very soon. The Dynam, and we're in the Hawker, I guess we're in that uh, we're in that category of a manufacturer, but the Hunter, and they have a new one out, and this is the Dynam Hawker Hunter 70 mil EDF system. These pictures are really tiny, but. Uh, I'm going off the specs. It's e uh, it's EPO. It's got a 850 millimeter wingspan, uh, and it weighs in about 1,600 grams total weight, and it flies off a 6S 3300. 10 minutes flying time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes assembly time. Five minutes flying, which is uh, an experienced pilot. Love the fact that it's in the uh, Tiger scheme, and this is uh, looks like it's Swiss Tiger scheme. Uh, it looks like a pretty nice little aircraft. This one will be coming out very soon. It's got fixed retracts and everything, so we shall see how well this looks. And again, I'm trying. I've, I've touched base with uh, Dynam, just hoping to uh, actually bring in another manufacturer into the fold and talk about their uh, manufacturing experience because I know they're starting to talk about and produce uh, their own radio systems and everything. So. We'll see how it all goes. Uh, and this is, uh, again, the Hurricane, uh, the Hunter, Hawker, Hawker, ooh, Dynam, Hawker, Hunter, 70 mil EDF. There we go. Speaking English today. And last on the list, I got two from Flight Test. Um, it's been kind of fun to see these come out. Uh, these are two of John over uh, Overstreet's uh, designs, and this is the Mighty Mini Zero. I'm so pumped about this. Loved my Mighty Mini Mustang, and this is John taking his design um, design stuff and to the next layer. And this airplane looks good. I've wanted a Zero for whatever reason. The Zero has been very elusive. Uh, as far as aircraft come out and it looks like they've gone the extra mile and created a nice little sticker bundle and everything so 
Uh, let's see, what is this coming at? This one retails in at, uh, where are the kits? Where are the kits? Where are the kits? So it's $30 US, whatever shipping out of the A-Main warehouse. Uh, it will run on the uh, the A-Pack or the F-Pack, which is basically your standard, you know, punchy uh, 3S system for a multi-rotor. So it's nothing too crazy. And what do they say about it? Let's see. It's 230 grams fully assembled without the battery. 30-inch wingspan, which is 762 millimeters. Uh, battery is a, I think it is a 1300. Yes. Uh, no, sorry, it's 850. It's a 3S850. So you, you know, there are tons of batteries. I've got a bunch out of them and it looks like it's a four to six channel style radio. So really cool. And then obviously standing beside it is the redeveloped, uh, Corsair, same specs, same hardware, same price, uh, you know, if I had to pick, I think I would go with the Zero over the Corsair, but they both look great. Um, tell me in the comments and everything what you guys would think, which one you'd go for, if you'd go for both. But uh, I'm probably going to uh, add those to my my winter build list once they uh, once they become available and have them shipped in. Um, and like I said, you can buy the kits, uh, the, the PowerPod kits, which have everything you need to do to finish them, or you can just source and scrounge if they're, especially if they're taking uh, regular nine gram servos and they can take the weight. Uh, I know my mini Mustang, when I built that up, I just used a 2204 motor and the, you know, five inch three blade prop and some, five gram servos and and it flies great same power system almost um so having the zero in the collection probably would be exact ultimately build both but i i I would go for the zero so uh looking forward to a lot of stuff um in the most recent flight test video where they did that they flew the mailbox the a10 mailbox and i was giggling away as as that poor thing went into the deck because the uh the elevator failed they showed the new A10 uh, that John's been working. It's a little bit smaller, probably going to run off actual EDFs and everything. So that is pretty darn cool. So, and again, we're waiting on our friends from Hangar RC to have their uh, new aircraft, the. Uh, I don't even think they have it out listed on their website yet. But we're waiting on the uh, them to release. No, they don't have it here, unfortunately. But we're waiting for the release of the Harvard. Um, so I. Texan. I say Harvard because I'm Canadian, right? And they better have a Canadian scheme, Sam. Gonna be looking for that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and going back to the flight test stuff, they have so much stuff in the pipe. I can't wait to see what they come up with. Um, again, one of the sore points for 2020, obviously, was us not getting out to Ohio to celebrate Flight Fest. But hopefully next year, things will be a little bit more level and we'll be able to uh you know pick up a bunch of new models so i've been slowly waiting on all that stuff to uh to, to materialize and come together so okay uh talking about things into 2021 last year i did the survey um leave comments in in the show and uh and about uh, your best of your best picks and i'll build the entire, you know, I'll build a spreadsheet like I did last year in Google Docs and people can go in there and pick your best aircraft and we'll, we'll break up the co- uh, the categories. But leave the comments in the show or email me. Um, that's rcafterhourspodcast at gmail.com and just fill it in what you think the best aircraft. Uh, I'm kind of bar- biased and partial. Like I said, that Renegade really impressed me, but there have been some some really neat 
aircraft to come out in 2020, even though things, I feel like the industry kind of pulled back a little bit. We saw some bursts near the beginning of the, the, and then I think they just kind of slowly drew it back a little bit to hold off because, you know, I'm sure they see that people aren't spending. Everybody's being super cautious and everything. Um, But I guess that's where the foam, the, the scratch building really probably picked up. So who knows? I'd like to get a whole bunch more people from the industry. So in talking about everything and all these aspects. So if you have contacts, if you've got people's ears, you know, make sure, tell them about the podcast, tell them about the show. Um, make sure you're leaving comments and suggestions and, and, and all that stuff on your podcast apps. That makes a huge push for the show. I've been renaming some stuff on iTunes because iTunes keeps changing their categories. Added things like RC planes that was never in the title. So now when you search RC planes, the RC after hours podcast shows up and it just makes it more searchable. Um, but again, like I said, my push and my goals for 21 and and looking already because December is going to happen like that for us, we know, is just to keep uh, pushing and keep making links into the industry and everything so we can keep those conversations going. And like I said, if you've got suggestions, if you've got ideas of people who we can talk to or who you'd like to, you know, feature in the hot seat, by all means, email me, message me. Everybody knows how to get everybody through. Horizons consistently rebuilt of old designs has ruined the new product segment. Oh, interesting, uh, interesting feeling, Alex. Um, they, well, I mean, I can see, I can see, you know, if, if they feel like they can't, you know, make a big dent, but there's always a call for classics. You know what I want to see for Horizon, to be honest? Is I miss, I'm, I want another Spitfire. Don't know why. I just love Spitfires. Crazy me, right? Um, but I also, um, I was funny because I was looking at my biplanes and it would be really fun to have a biplane to fly in the winter, but I don't want to take my PT-17 out. It looks too nice. And my old Park Zone SE-5A and the Albatross, no, not trusting those. Plus, those are belly landing, uh, belly loaded batteries. So as soon as you put skis in the cold and everything, that just takes away all the enjoyment of trying to get that airplane uh, up into the air and everything. So again, start thinking about your top flight, pl- your top planes. I will go and I'll reactivate the um, that that list that I created last year, and we'll give you out the categories. And I don't have it available right now in front of me. Mamba and skis, John, you missed it earlier in the show. Um, I flew the Mamba in the cold and I was so twitchy and my hands were so cold that the plane was just, you know, because the Mamba will lock into a position when you're in stabilized mode. Um, out of stabilized mode, the plane is fun, but it's almost a little intimidating. So in stabilized mode, all of a sudden you're locked and, you know, you're flying in a real spot and then you go and, oh, I'll put a little bit of the elevator input into it and the thing will spiral off and do its own craziness and everything. So it's like, ha, 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 land. Um, so I probably like a different style biplane, something a little bit more gentle. And that goes back to, if you listen and been tuned in earlier in the show, John, <laughs> I can bust my friends up. That's fun. Hey, Sam from Hangar RC just popped in. How you doing, Sam? We were just talking about you and your uh, Texan or Harvard uh, giveaway, which stay tuned. As soon as he tells me he's ready to go, we will get together and we will do a quick little YouTube video together and release those to the Patreon. Um, so there's your... Um, 
there's your little incentive to become a Patreon subscriber and supporter of the podcast. Uh, you know, it's uh, really, I don't want to push that on people, but it's, uh, you know, hey, it helps the show. It provides a little bit of uh, uh, resource management for me and everything, getting everything to the show. And uh, I mean, once, uh, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. Honestly, if you can do it, awesome. If you can't, awesome. Uh, that's how I always feel about doing the Patreon thing. That's something that was started years ago, and uh, it, it just keeps the funding going, keeps the uh, URL domain going, keeps the show going as far as the cost for running the, um, the Podbean subscription every week and everything. Everything else... You know, it's about me and just pushing out the show because I can do it and because I enjoy it. So, woo, man, I've rambled a lot. Uh, Sam just says that, that we just finished filming the build video. They just film, finished filming the build video yesterday or last night. So that's awesome, which means we're getting closer and closer to that release. Okay, enough rambling. I want to thank everybody who tuned in live during the show. It was kind of a last minute thing. And like I said, really looking forward to uh, the upcoming shows where we talk about, you know, 2021. We talk about what we thought about 2020 and doing a review and all the other things. Again, let me know who you'd like to see on the podcast and uh, what you're interested in talking about because I will make that happen. Uh, again, I'm Andre. You have been listening to the RC After Hours podcast. And again, thank you for being a part of this amazing experience. Have a great week. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm.